Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to the episode of Hard Foul. Hope you're enjoying yourself however you are listening, whether it is on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify. If you're just listening to me outside of your neighbor's car, I appreciate it. But go click that actual link so I get a count for a listen. Uh, that always helps. Uh, thank you once again to Sweeps GG and HyperX for the keyboard, the, the microphone, the monitor, and the headset. This is a radio or audio edition only going forward due to time constraints with work i will be putting out just the audio on tuesdays and thursdays uh monday wednesday friday with some video attached to it and hopefully when the computer gets here next week i'll be able to do two to three videos for monday wednesday friday including a full video of the entirety of the podcast that i can put on youtube really looking forward to that um as always thank you to anyone who has given me time uh, whether it's five minutes or five hours, I appreciate it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, shout out to my aunt and uncle who just celebrated 37 years of marriage yesterday. Super impressive. Shout out to them. Love you guys. Uh, let's get into the show. So first thing we have to do is we have to congratulate the Washington Nationals, right? Everybody's going to come on the radio today or go do a sports show today, and they're going to talk about, oh, the Astros blew it. They should have put Garrett Cole in. Oh, they didn't let Granke pitch on. They're going to tell you what's wrong. They're going to focus on the negative. They're not going to give credit to a Nationals team that at one point had a 0.1% chance to make the playoffs, not make the World Series, not win their division, a 0.1% chance to make the playoffs. That's incredible. A Nationals team that people basically gave up on and blamed the general manager for how do you not give Bryce Harper, how do you not back up the proverbial being struck for Bryce Harper? He said, nope, I'm good. We have... Stellar pitching, we have some young guys I believe in, and a lot of veterans. The Nationals are actually the oldest team in Major League Baseball, even though it's debatable on it if it really felt like that or not. They have a couple guys who kind of skewed the age. Dribble Cabrera is up there in age. Fernando Rodney, I believe, is if he's not the oldest, he's the second oldest pitcher in baseball. Um, but they were the oldest team, and he said, hey, we're going to roll with these guys. And this is what's amazing about Major League Baseball. Like I said, I'm not going to focus on what the Astros might have did wrong. Because there's there's obviously, anytime someone loses a series, yes, there is, given the exception of maybe like four to five series ever between all the major sports, there's usually something that somebody did wrong to lose a series. Usually it's not, oh, they both were so great, just one was a little bit greater. No, someone usually did something wrong. But we're not focusing on the wrong. What's amazing about baseball and this will never change, is you really are as good as your pitching. And that's it. This is why the Pittsburgh Pirates had a four to five year run of success. They had great starting pitching. Garrett Cole was a part of that run. This is why the Tampa Bay Rays have been successful. Great starting pitching. This is why the Yankees and Red Sox, quite honestly, have some really up years and some down years. Because it depends on what pitchers they can get in free agency. 
There's always going to be guys who hit 30 home runs. There's always going to be guys who drive in 100 RBIs. There's always going to be guys. Um, the Mets just got uh, the, the rookie, Pete Alonso, hit 52 home runs, and they missed the playoffs. When they had Granky Wheeler, Syndergaard, and everybody pitching, they made the World Series. If you're over the age of 10, you're old enough to remember the San Francisco Giants winning three out of five. And why did the Giants do that? Starting pitching. The Giants didn't have the best roster in any of those years. The Giants didn't have the best collection of talent in any of those years. The Giants weren't the prohibitive favorites going into any of those years. But Tim Lincecum, Matt Cain, Madison Bumgarner, Brian Wilson in the bullpen, Sergio Ramos. They just, when their pitching got hot, it took them all the way to the top. Steven Strasburg said it best. Every year there's a buzzsaw. This year we were that buzzsaw. Strasburg pitched phenomenally. Max Scherzer if he's not already in the Hall of Fame, this secured it. Three Cy Youngs, a World Series, multiple 300 strikeout seasons. Strasburg, Scherzer, Corbin came in and pitched well. Hudson came in and solidified their bullpen during the regular season, which led to their momentum getting into the playoffs. Some timely hitting, great pitching. That's how you win in baseball. And that's never changed. Excuse me. I didn't come on here to bash the Astros. I didn't come on here to say what's wrong. We're just coming on here and we are congratulating the Washington Nationals for their first championship in what, a hundred in almost a hundred years? It's not quite Cub status, but real close. They weren't even the national. The Nationals, the Nationals have only existed since 05. The Expos and the Senators before then. Walter Johnson was the last guy to get a win for the Nationals in the World Series prior to this year. Walter Johnson pitched when they didn't have logos and they had the old striped shirts. Walter Johnson had a second job. That's how old and how long it's been. Baseball players used to have a second job because baseball didn't pay enough. Now, the Nationals have a lot of questions. Anthony Rendon, there's speculation. There's, uh, he was offered a seven-year, $210 million contract, and he declined. So they don't know how much they're going to have to pay to keep him. Steven Strasburg is expected to has three days to opt out of his deal, which has four years and $100 million left on it. Expected to opt out. And hey, it's a lot of money. It's a good thing baseball doesn't have a salary cap, right? Now, obviously, they still need to retain these guys. Obviously, it's still going to take some effort to keep that team intact. But pitching, timely hitting, veterans who didn't panic, and the Nationals are your 2019 World Series champions. Tony likes to take uh, some jabs at people. So on Twitter, 
Uh, this is third straight year Tiger Star, ex-Tiger Star wins the World Series. So he's talking about the Tigers at one point had Verlander, Scherzer, and Porcello. And yes, they've been a part of the last three World Championship teams. Uh, Detroit fans. Uh, um, that's rough. That's, that is very OKC, Westbrook, Durant, Harden-esque. Not quite on that level, but probably still really burns when you wake up this morning that you got no titles out of that era. And now those guys have all won on, have all gone on to win a title. Now let's segue to the negative. Ah, uh, here it is. I just came on here the other day and I said, you know what? Excuse me. I'm normally the one who says basketball is better back in a certain day. I'm normally am the one who says uh, baseball or football is, back, is better back in the day. And I'm really not old enough to have those kind of feelings, but I do. I do. What can I say? The Last night, it should have been the game of the year. Should have. The game of the year should have happened last night, and it was hidden by the World Series. And I'm very glad it was hidden, because it was atrocious. The game of the year should have been the Rockets beating the Wizards 159-158. to You're going to say, what? How was that not game of the year? Oh my gosh, what was it like? Triple overtime? Quadruple overtime? No, it was regulation. No overtime required. Oh, they had to be going crazy. You could say that. James Harden had 59 points. Bradley Beal had 49 points. Or 48 points. Westbrook had a triple-double. Capella had 20-something points. They had a rookie with a double-double. I believe the rookie had 23 points. Capella had, Capella had the double-double. You guys are watching them scoring all over the place. Except that, and this is the issue with analytics, the box score tells you, oh my gosh, this was amazing. What ingenious offensive basketball with the kind of things they must have been doing in this game. And then you watch the game, and you're like, oh, they were all just having shooting practice and had a bunch of fans around watching. Guys, I'm not asking to be taken back to 05 San Antonio versus Detroit and the game is being 79-79 with three minutes to go in the fourth. But don't... What's the expression? Don't pee on me and tell me it's raining. Don't sit here and tell me taking 50-60 pointers and... Just jacking up shots in three seconds or less is genius offensive basketball. Don't pee on me and say it's raining. I don't like that. Don't tell me that, oh, James Harden had 59 points. He's one of the best offensive players ever. Oh, Russell Westbrook had another triple-double. Oh, he's, he's better than Magic. He's got more triple-doubles than Magic. No. No. No, no, and no. This game was a shooting practice layup line. Who can do the fancier thing? No one played defense until about two minutes left in the game. And 
You notice something? <clears throat> Excuse me. Defense is not only progressively getting worse, the fundamentals of defense are progressively getting worse. Guys, even when it's time to ramp it up in the fourth quarter, guys just start fouling. Guys are forgetting how to play defense. Because they're so concerned with, I got to get 10 threes up. If I'm Eric Gordon, I got to get... Uh, Eric Gordon was coming out of college, was a good two-way player. When he played with New Orleans, he was a good two-way player. When he went with the Clippers, good two-way player. Not great. Not great. Don't get that mis Don't get that taken out of context. But he was good. He could play defense. Now he's just like, I got to get up 10 to 15 shots, and I don't care if I play defense. I'm going to just stand in this spot and act like it. Put my hands up. Last night should have been the game of the year. And it was a shit show. Guys, the whole reason scoring points is impressive, and Tony and I talked about this last night. Uh, Tony Will and I talked about this last night. We grew up where we're happy we didn't grow up watching this as our first introduction to basketball because we still appreciate 50 points. We still appreciate 45 points. Even with the offense being more fast pace and more threes and all that stuff, scoring being up as a whole. But while I can appreciate some performances, there's a lot of guys scoring 30 that I'm like, eh, I'm not too, I'm not too impressed. There is... When you score a lot of points, there's an artistry to it. When Kobe scored 30, what made it so fast, what made it just as fascinating, Kobe scoring 30 in his third year and Kobe scoring 30 in his 13th year, is there was more than just, I'm going to put up a shot. He would drive left, could do a crossover, could post you up, over shoulder jump shot, pump fake, throw it out the glass. Kobe had a variety of moves. It was entertaining. It wasn't just, I have the ball, shoot the ball. There was an artistry to it. Jordan, some maybe the four best stock moves in NBA history. There was an artistry to it. James Harden just gets the ball, takes two dribbles, and shoots it. Russell Westbrook just gets the ball. He's driving to the rim. Hey, you think going to foul me or I'm a dunk? There's nothing exciting about watching. There's nothing exciting about James Harden. I might sound like a hater, but James Harden is the least entertaining basketball player I've probably ever watched at that level. To be that good to be to score as many points as he's going to to be as many to make as many all-star teams as he's going to he is the most boring player and i'm talking about and this is crazy he is james harden is more boring than tim duncan and tim duncan doesn't have a youtube highlight reel there's no you can't go on youtube and find tim duncan highlights and i like james harden when he first got to houston the same way, and I'm going to talk about it after the break. I am, I've never, I haven't been a particularly big fan of Kyrie all the time, but I'm enjoying watching what Kyrie's doing in Brooklyn. It's exciting. Kyrie's right now the most exciting one on one player to watch. 
James Harden's the most boring. Because James Harden's either shooting a three, <clears throat> or he's going to do this half-assed drive attempt and then get mad at the refs if they don't call a whistle. That should have been the game of the night last night. Game of the year. 159 to 158. And it was an utter shit show. Thank you, World Series, for covering it. All right, after the break, we got some Golden State updates with Steph's hand. Um, like I said, talking about Kyrie and what I heard from Le'Veon Bell that I wish every player had. This is Hard Foul Radio. We'll be back momentarily. is hard foul radio thank you for staying in here with us it is cold in california this morning and i know we're jaded because it's never cold out here but it is cold what's the temperature in i think i have the i kind of cheat i have a lex in my house and i don't have to actually get out of my bed anymore to, ch to turn the heater on in the morning i just tell alexa turn the heater on and it's it's a beautiful thing uh right now it is 50 degrees, 52. See, it is currently 65 in New York. It is warmer in New York than it is in California. It's currently 42 degrees where I live. It is 23 degrees warmer in New York right now than where I live in California. That's tweet. It is, it is, it is. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh! Yeah, no, yeah, no, that was crazy. It is. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tweet this real quick, you guys. And um, once again, as always, saying to anybody that is listening or uh, being a part of the show, thank you to all people that have listened to either A and M, No Feelings Meetings, people that have listened to Hard Fell even when I started this two years ago. I just, it's, 
it, I will never stop saying thank you. It's a big thing to me. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. We're going to tweet this out to the show. Um, It's fine. Watch it not be that cold anymore after the show. But it's okay. Anyway. Excuse me. Uh, so, NBA media rejoiced. Because NBA media... They do this thing because they make really outlandish statements because they want ratings or they want reactions or they want whatever their thing is, engagement on Twitter. I don't I don't know what their standard is or what they're trying to meet. But they just say outlandish stuff, right? And one of the things that I just thought was constantly outlandish is they were praising the Lakers, saying, Oh, the Lakers never fell off, the Lakers are still gonna be great, the Lakers are gonna be tied to contenders, even though the Lakers haven't made the playoffs in seven years. Um and Excuse me. They're like the Warriors not making the playoffs, and I was like, "That's crazy." But what the? And it's I expect the Warriors to struggle a little bit because Steph and D'Angelo Russell obviously a bigger liability defensively than Steph and Clay, and that's shown in their first couple of games. Is Steph and D'Angelo Russell are defensive liabilities? They are not good defensively together. Fine, that's going to take some time to work out. You can system and scheme around that. There's plenty of guys who aren't great defensively that coaches have schemed around before. And then from there, you have uh, still the offensive genius that is Steph Curry. D'Angelo Russell can get you 25, 30 points. So they're going to be fine. Then they get out to a slow start, and the media is like, see, look, we're right. We're right. And now Steph Curry with a broken hand, going to miss a significant amount of time, um, if they don't just shut him down for the year, I don't know. Now the media is like, in their minds, oh, now we have to be right. There's no way the Warriors make it without Steph, without Clay. Even though I can make a case this team is a lot like Brooklyn from last year now, D'Angelo Russell and a bunch of just guys. But we'll say the Warriors now with the Steph injury out of the playoffs. I want the media to look at themselves and say, what makes this different than what happened with LeBron last year? LeBron went to the Lakers, and the media keeps telling me, oh, well, it's the only reason they didn't make it is because of injuries. Okay. <clears throat> so keep that same energy with the Warriors. The only reason they're not going to make the playoffs this year is because of injuries. Steph's hurt. Clay's hurt. Draymond was hurt earlier. Draymond was hurt for a game. Who knows what's going to happen with D'Lo and him the rest of the way. So injuries derailed the Golden State Warriors. But what happens next year when the Warriors have a top five pick, possibly are able to package that and trade it for another superstar? Or you just have top five pick. You have Steph Curry... D'Angelo Russell, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, top five pick. You don't think that's one of the three or four best teams in the Western Conference? One of the three or four best teams in the NBA? What's different about the Warriors this year and the Lakers last year? Injuries, top five player, no playoffs. But the media... The media would never just 
give it up to the Warriors like that. They have to protect their Lakers picks. The entire NBA media. Lakers going to the Western Conference Finals last year. Don't make the playoffs. Well, you know, I mean, um, ah, ah, well, uh, well, now they got Anthony Davis. Now they're going back to the finals this year. And what happens if the Lakers don't? If the Lakers don't make the playoffs this year, NBA media guys are just going to have to retire. They're going to have to retire. There, there's, there is no way they could really come back next year and look as bold in the face and say, you know what? I got the Lakers going to the finals again. LeBron, I know you have people chanting Taco Tuesday at the Staples Center. But you're going to really need to help out your boys if you don't make it to the playoffs. It's going to be a sad, sad, dark world. Moving on from that to some football stuff. Um, Le'Veon Bell came out the other day and he said, and I love this. Excuse me. You guys need to be patient. I understand we're all excited. I understand there's a lot going on. But it's everybody's first year together. GM first year coach. Excuse me. Really the coach's first year with Sam. Um, Just a whole bunch of stuff. It's just a whole bunch of guys first year. It's my first year. Like Rome wasn't built in a day. You need to be patient. And I loved that. I loved that. I've been having to deal with the Denver Bronco fan base all week. And they've been annoying. Why isn't Drew Locke out there? Oh, my gosh. L.A. doesn't know what he's doing. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I need to take a drink real quick. Sorry. L.A. doesn't know what he's doing. Oh, why isn't Drew Locke out there? Oh, bunch of Garibalds. Everything. Why are we doing this now? Why are we doing this now? We're not rebuilding. Does anyone believe in patience? Does anyone... You know who believes in patience? The Oakland Raiders. The Raiders said, hey, we've messed it up for over a decade. So let's give a guy a decade to fix it. If it takes you 30 minutes to trash your room, it's probably going to take you 45 minutes to clean it up. Making a mess is inherently quicker than cleaning it up. Denver made a mess. Denver needs time to fix it. Denver's done a bunch of things towards fixing it. Offensive line, they have three solid starters right now and have a chance to draft two more linemen in this upcoming draft and have a good offensive line. Along with, they hired Mike Munchak, one of the best offensive line coaches in the league. Super Bowl 50 offense, not there anymore. Super Bowl 50 defense, it's really just two guys. I'm also really excited that there's a lot of Positive talks towards them re-signing Chris Harris Jr. and I would love a defense next year where you base where your stalwarts are. You'll have Harris Jr. and Simmons in the secondary, Miller, Chubb, and Wolf up front, and at your linebackers, you're just gonna kind of have to you know see what'll work. But so really excited about that. But he's doing it, but it takes time. Elway butchered it for three years. Now he's like, okay, it's gonna take me a couple years to fix it. Had a bunch of really bad draft classes. Now I've got a couple good ones, and I'm needing a couple more. Raiders gave John Gruden a 10-year contract. And they're like, hey, dude, just keep building it up. 
keep getting, keep making good draft choices. We got Mike Mack. Keep getting good draft choices. Keep coaching our guys up. He might not win until he might not really win win until year four, year five of his contract, and that's fine. You got a ten year deal. Most coaches make mistakes because they got two years. Really, your rookie year as a head coach, which you should be able to sit there and kind of make mistakes and figure out what's going on and just, you know, feel your way through it. And then if you buy it, but really, you got about four games to do that. And then if it don't work then, they call for, they already called for Vic Fangio's job. They were already calling for, um, um, what's the other one, coach? Zach Taylor in uh, Cincinnati, they are already calling for his job. He can't coach. Oh, how's our offense? <clears throat> How's our offense stink and we're 0-8? At least Fangio could say, hey, my defense is top five. My offense, we're still working on that. Takes patience. Calm yourself. You almost never fix anything that you've messed up for several years. If if you're getting a new head coach, that's because stuff has been bad for several years. Now, certain things I get. Sometimes, yes, it's just really apparent that... A guy has lost the locker room. A guy has no longer has a say. A guy has, he just, there's no influence. He lost it. Vance Joseph just lost it. I thought Vance Joseph could have been a really good coach. But Vance Joseph had no way to really rally the team once they started losing. He was fine when they won. But the second they started losing, it was like, okay. What do we do now? And guys give you the chance. Bill Belichick, and obviously he has a resume to do so, but he just kind of walks in there if they lose, and the guys are kind of like, oh, shit, what do we do now? He's like, you guys think we can't win again? You guys think I can't win another game? You guys think that just because they talking bad about you in the media, now it's, oh, now it's, it's, it's shit man overboard? They know him, and they know he's going to get them to another win. Just be patient, guys. Thank you, Le'Veon Bell. That was a good message. Um, I found them very critical of Kyrie Irving. Um, may have said he's real similar to Mo Williams in a couple takes, and uh, he's he's more exciting than Mo Williams, that's for sure. But I'm gonna give Kyrie some props, and then, you know, be a little snarky at the end. But that's what I do. Let me get another drink here real quick. Uh, So Kyrie Irving is getting 35, 36 points a game. Uh, He's been brilliant in these first couple games of the Nets. I mean, highlight reel, mixtape crazy. Uh, YouTube loves him. He's he's the most exciting. I just ripped James Harden for being the most boring one-on-one player ever. Uh, Kyrie Irving might be the most exciting one-on-one player ever. I mean, the handles, the shots he's making, the stuff he's doing. Uh, I'm really convinced that he actually intended to do the slip and slide move. Like, he intentionally fell. Because Kyrie doesn't fall. If you look at the way he handles the basketball and the moves and the way he contorts his body, he really never falls. I genuinely believe he tried to, quote-unquote, fall and then get up and make the shot. Like, that was intended. But it's fine. Kyrie's super fun to watch. Super exciting. 
Really good player. But my knock on Kyrie is, and I'm not going to do the thing that everybody else is saying right now, which is that he's mentally kind of weird and um, he's got mood swings. I'm like, dude thinks the world's flat. Obviously, whatever's going on in his head is not a thousand percent. It's not a hundred percent, right? Shout out to my flat earthers who are listening. But the bigger problem is Kyrie looks amazing. Kyrie's has is making all these great shots. Look at his stat lines. He dropped 50 points. And they're one and two. And not a lot of early season records are indicative. But if you have an early season record that has traits of stuff you've done in your past. And you are, how would you say, showing repetitious practices. That's my big words. Then I have worries. Like, if LeBron came out in the first four or five games and he just looked a little bit slower, on, if he looked slower on defense, if he looked slower on offense, not as much lift, that is a trend that is preceding him from years before, which is, the dude's in year 17, he's getting older, fine. He does not have the same bounce as 29-year-old LeBron James. He's not the defender 29-year-old Lebr- LeBron James was. I say 29-year-old because uh, I've said it several times, 29-year-old LeBron James might be um, the best individual player I've ever seen in my life. I think Mike overall is the, is the GOAT, but 29-year-old LeBron James it might be that that dude was a monster. Um, but Kyrie, once again, he's getting all these points. And the Nets might not make the playoffs. And, ooh, that was probably really loud. Apologize to my headphone listeners. And if Kyrie doesn't make the playoffs, that's a huge disappointment. That's huge. D'Angelo Russell made the playoffs with this team. And they pretty much, the Brooklyn Nets basically did what the Clippers did, which is, hey, we got to the playoffs with this team. All we did is we upgraded a point guard. Now, they didn't just get to outright bring him in over D'Angelo Russell, but Russell was traded. They brought Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's not there, and that's fine. He'll be there next year. And that's the... Built an excuse of, oh, the Nets aren't making the playoffs it's because Kevin Durant wasn't there. No. Kyrie Irving, if you're as good as Kyrie Irving is supposed to be, not just as flashy, not just as exciting, not just as good handles, if you are as good as Kyrie Irving is supposed to be, you got to get the Nets to the playoffs. You do. Sorry, you just do. I I have said several times... The whole finals expectations and championship expectations, that really only exists for like five guys ever. But getting to the playoffs is a whole other story. Guys got to at least get to the playoffs. That was the knock into Anthony Davis that I thought was fair. And I think, and I was the only dude defending Anthony Davis as a top five player last year. People were saying, no, he's not top five no more. No, he's not top five. Um, um, what is it? Uh, da, 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 da. 
Yeah, so all that stuff. And... But sorry, so the Anthony Davis top five player defended him. But where the criticism was fair is you've been to the playoffs twice in seven years. You've had Drew Holiday, Tyreek Evans, Marcus Cousins, a whole bunch of other guys. Understandably, there's been injuries. But you've got to get that team to the playoffs at least. If Kyrie Irving can't get these Nets to the playoffs, the same Nets D'Angelo Russell took, we got to start questioning how... Great Kyrie Irving really is. Exciting? No doubt. Flashy? No doubt. But how great? Uh, it's up for debate. This is Hard Foul. We'll be back momentarily. Welcome back to Hard Foul. Appreciate you guys for staying with me for the duration of this. Um, we're going to talk about, and something that only I would understand, as our final segment of the day here. Uh, and I've been critical of this guy. Um, if you listen to Nothing Less Media, you listen to Hard Foul Radio, I've been critical of this guy I'm about to mention. But, I have a weird relationship about it. So Ben Simmons is someone I've been critical of. Um, just, I... I, I just had issues, I've had issues with, you got a $100 million contract before you made a three-pointer, you can't really shoot, not well mid-range or free throws or any of that stuff, but I've also came on here before and, and no fans this before and defended saying, Ben Simmons plays point guard the way I would love my point guard to play point guard. I'm not, and I was very hesitant, I was not a fan, I was very hesitant of the Damian Lillard, Kyrie Irving, Derrick Rose, Russell Westbrook, I'm going to get 25 points, and I'm I'm, re- I'm a point guard, but I'm really only a point guard so I can have the ball most of the game. 
and I'm going to just score. I was always very hesitant of that player. Didn't like him very much, to be just frank. And so, because of that, <clears throat> I was. it just took me a while before I even acknowledged, really, the Kyrie Irvings of the world, Derrick Rose, Russ Westbrook. Now I've got an appreciation for it. I think it's obviously a skill. They're obviously great at what they do. It's just not the way I want someone to play point guard. Ben Simmons plays the way I would want someone to play point guard. Um, ben Simmons is a pass first point guard. He is a team. He is a he is an op. He can run an offense. A team operator does all that stuff. And officially, after last night, he moved higher on my plays the way that I would love for him to play. Because. I don't believe on that team that Joel Embiid is a leader. I just think Joel Embiid is the most talented player on Philly. Ben Simmons showed me something last night. He might be the leader. And we here at Hard Foul do not condone violence. But man, if you're going to fight in an NBA game, an MLB game, a football game, like you better you better start throwing hands at Andre Johnson. Because we don't have room for Cortland Finnegan's around here. I've seen Shaq in about three different in about three different altercations. You better you better punch like Charles. Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid got into a physical altercation, and it looked like every other physical altercation that I've seen. And that is, oh, I'm gonna act like I'm gonna be real tough. Oh, I'm gonna act like I'm gonna hit you. Oh, I'm gonna act like I'm gonna, and then nothing happens. It was really they were just they were giving each other hugs. Come on. Stephen A. Smith came out and said, oh, I love the competitive nature. It really wasn't that competitive. Joel Embiid did a very Joel Embiid thing. He was better, he's better than Carl Anthony Towns. And he was giving Carl Anthony Towns the business on the basketball court. And Joel Embiid is a A-plus shit talker and gets under a bunch of guys' skin, as he would say, lives in heads rent-free. Carl Anthony Towns wanted to get a little physical. And Carl Anthony Towns can actually fight. Not going to bring up another video, but can actually fight a little bit. And then there came Ben Simmons. As I said, we here at Hard Foul do not condone violence. But when I saw Ben Simmons choke out Carl Anthony Towns, and Carl Anthony Towns had to tap out, like, on the floor, like, tap out, like, someone get this man off me. Ben Simmons is 6'10", maybe 210 pounds, 215 pounds. Carl Anthony Towns is a 6'11 center who is should be 240, 250, and he was down. I love Chris Paul, and I love Chris Paul because Chris Paul is willing to a six foot tall. He's willing to fight, scrap, punch, kick, claw. Someone call him a dirty player. I call him creative. He's hard nosed. He's tough on guys, and he runs an offense better as good as anyone in NBA history outside of Magic Johnson. Ben Simmons, we've had a love-hate relationship. I love the way that I love the way in which you play. I just hate the way in which you can't shoot. But you just moved up higher on my point guard rankings. Ben Simmons is now my fourth favorite point guard in the league. Chris Paul's one. One day I'll let you guys know who two and three are. As always, thank you for listening however you were, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, Apple, Anchor, however you listen to podcasts, listening in your friend's car, um, 
this is a radio audio version only there is no video don't go looking for me on youtube for today you can go look at me for youtube for other stuff that's okay you know get me some views some money <laughs> you never know um once again shout out to super gg shout out to HyperX for all the equipment super cool um shout out tony will matt everybody that's made hard foul what it is today um we'll be back tomorrow with videos and more audio and once again as we sign out, congratulations to the Washington Nationals on their first World Series championship in a long-ass time. We out.